0: we all good to go? I love you, Katie. Never forget that.
1: That's a nice intro. That could be the pre-roll. Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> rules as
0: written. The D&D podcast where we teach you how to play, kind of. Yeah. We, we read hope. the rules so
1: you don't have to.
0: Exactly. So today we are going to be talking about time and space. Space, space,
1: space. Space. (laughs) So, what have you got for time? All right, time is brief. Uh, In D and D, time seems to function much like it does in real life. How convenient. So it works on a scale of minutes, hours, and days. Cool. In the player's handbook, it says that in a scale of minutes, you might do something like creep down a long hallway, checking for traps on the door of the end of the hall, Mm -hmm. and then maybe a few minutes more to search the chamber beyond for anything interesting or valuable. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Then there's hours where you talk about Adventurers who are eager to reach the lonely tower at the heart of the forest hurry across those 15 miles in just under four hours time So like traveling under short distances. Yeah,
0: so you'll probably be like clearing out a dungeon in around hours That sounds about right. Yeah, but not too many unless it's a really huge dungeon You'd be doing it for half a day. Yeah I think it's always a little less than people feel. Yeah,
1: because everything, like especially in combat, everything happens so quickly. Yeah, yeah,
0: out of game it
1: happens so slowly, but in game it's only like a few seconds. But we'll get to that. What's the next part? Then there's days, and that's just long journeys, right? And that might be the kind of thing where it's, like, you want to travel to the city over or something. Yeah. They give the example of following the road from Baldur's Gate to Waterdeep. Easy. Yeah. So, what's, what else have we got in time? Anything that to is summarize? It. I mean, like, cool. without outside of talking about combat, which we'll do in a future episode, I think. Okay, sounds good. That's basically all the Player's Handbook mentions about time. It's just kind of, like, this is what to expect in the scale of events. Okay, so let's move on to space. 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 I like that you did it that time. I got you back. (laughs) Right, so the next section that's movement, this is everything else, where it talks about actually traveling and stuff and what you can do and how you do it when you move. So when you're traveling, you can travel either at a normal pace a slow pace or a fast pace. Okay, so what's the pros and cons? The reason why you would do anything other than, like, fast, (laughs) (laughs) right? Well, if you travel quickly, which in the table in the player's handbook says you're traveling at 30 miles a day or 4 miles an hour or 400 feet a minute. They have a little table for it. Cool. Uh, If you're traveling quickly, you get a minus 5 penalty to your passive wisdom perception score.
0: Ah, so you're not going to be seeing threats as much.
1: Yeah, so it seems like, you know, that's that's the kind of entryway for the DM to throw a bunch of scary stuff in your way and kind <laughs> of they're really trying to run from the scary <laughs> things yeah, really shut that then down you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't notice the like like a Looney Tunes cartoon not noticing like the the like Wily e. Coyote in the hole uh, perfect and if you travel slow though you're able to use stealth that's what it says okay so you can't
0: travel at a normal pace and use stealth because when we play there's a lot of times where you just stealth that kind of comes back to our previous episode as well we talked about using stealth on the travel and like actively using stealth and when you're passively being stealthy while yeah. traveling
1: and I actually didn't know that it well I didn't think about how it affects your speed I mean you kind of intuitively hmm. know but it's nice to know that there's a rule specifically for that yeah As a DM then, how would you use these different speeds when the players are trying to like accomplish a certain thing when they're traveling? Like if they're traveling quickly, would you put in more things that are like hazardous or if they're traveling slowly, would you put something that makes them need to hurry up or something?
0: I think that comes with the setup or pay off the encounter that they're doing. So if they know they're going into something dangerous, I don't think I can force them to go slow, but I can give them hints that maybe they wanna be stealthy. Maybe there's mm. a bandit camp up ahead. I think it's more incentives. The fast travel place it's really, this is all stuff that the party would have a reaction to. This is really party controlled. Mm. I don't think a DM should be forcing this upon a player. I can't even really think of any good mechanical reasons as to why I'd want to.
1: So then, if we decided, oh, we want to travel to this next, next place quickly, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, maybe normally we would have just gotten there, but now there's some time constraint, we're like, oh, we want to be there quickly. Would there be any consequences that we might be able to expect from that fast movement? So I think this is something that any DM has to
0: set up before you've got to give some clues or hints that the road they're traveling on might be dangerous. Mm. Then you've presented them with a real opportunity for choice. Mm. So they can choose to be fast and they get that minus five and maybe they're going to end up being slower because they get bogged down fighting kobolds. Or maybe they just take it slow and steady and keep an eye out. Mm. But I think this is more of a reactive choice than one that a DM should really force or
1: encourage. Right, okay, so that's kind of like what you can expect if you do those things. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to forced march. The PHB describes a forced march Mm -hmm. as when you travel beyond the typical eight hours in a day. So on like a long journey or something. You're traveling farther than like just eight hours. And the negative effect of that is you risk exhaustion. Yeah, you start taking levels of exhaustion. Yikes, those are not good. Yeah, we can talk about- If you take too many,
0: you end up with the status
1: effect dead. (laughs) (laughs) You no move. (laughs) You've gone from very fast moving to very not moving. (laughs) So I, I haven't really used this much as a player, like a force march. I haven't really, really come thought up in about our like campaign so much. I think it
0: came up in the previous campaign a little bit mm. when we were traveling through the seven realms of Norse mythology. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's come up with on in this campaign.
1: So what would be an example of a situation where maybe you would want to like it, there's some kind of time Again, constraint? Again, yeah, it's
0: your time constraint. Maybe you need to get to another kingdom to stop a coronation or something. That could be a cool one.
1: What about like if maybe the area that you're in you don't find like a good yeah you don't want to stop that's a good place you can have a dm
0: again i don't think a dm should be forcing this kind of stuff i think this is almost like movement is almost sacrosanct Mm. in like if you're forcing someone where to move either in combat unless it's like part of a spell or whatever Mm. then you're just playing the game for them aren't you There is definitely an element to the illusion of choice that all good DMs should be able to master. Yeah. But um, I think dictating movement takes it way too far. Okay.
1: So, an alternative to Forest March is you can use some kind of vehicle or mount. Giddy up,
0: bitch! Yeah. Get that. (laughs) It's the Pony Express! (laughs) Get that pony
1: out. (laughs) You can bust out your fresh, new... Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> that your DM was very gracious to give you. <laughs> and you should love him always. <laughs> yeah, and then they do have rules for, or they at least mention in the PHB that you can use a mount or a vehicle to be able to travel much farther and much faster, covering much more distance than you would normally. So that might be the good
0: Yeah, so those... There's, I think it's double speed for just a normal horse. If you're in like a carriage or something, it's uh, flat normal speed. You, your speed doesn't change. I guess
1: that's more for carrying capacity, or flavor. Is this different for every different kind of mount? Like I imagine the the most typical ones would be like a horse and carriage. Like a horse or a carriage. You're forgetting the death mecha. The death mecha. Ah uh, yes, the horse, the carriage, and the, 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 the death, death mecha. Right. Your Gundam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's basically, I mean, that's the majority of it. After that you start getting fantastical, which a lot of the like griffins and stuff, they have fly speeds. I've got some of them here. So if your character is on a phantom sea seed, goodness gracious. A steed soaring through the air. You don't want to be on some seed soaring through the air.
1: <laughs> this is a podcast for children. <laughs>
0: Yeah, flying carpet or something. It doesn't have the same obstructions that is found on land. You can translate that speed into one minute. You can move a number of feet equal to your speed times 10. In one hour, you can move a number of miles equal to your speed divided by 10. For daily travel, multiply your hourly rate of travel by the number of hours traveled. For a fast place, increase this rate by one third. For a slow place, multiply the rate by two thirds. Remember, you're multiplying by a fraction, so you're gonna get a lower number.
1: Right, so you get a fun mount and some fun math to work out. Exactly,
0: everyone loves math. Cool
1: new stuff.
0: Yeah, basically you move faster. I feel like a lot of these, like, it's going to be very rare that a whole party gets flying griffins.
1: I think you have a very <laughs> generous DM. Yeah, you'll kind of have the, uh, what is it's
0: it? It's like, Who's your the scout weakest in the party? Length.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like your party movement will just be, like, the lowest common denominator. Yeah, It'll which will be the carriage. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I suppose it's not that 100 for everyone to be mounted. Yeah, maybe if everyone had horses. Yeah. All right, that
1: actually brings me to in the next section, which is difficult terrain, mm-hmm. which changes basically the movement speed that you have in a different type of terrain. So like in the examples that they give in the PHB are like deep swamps, rubble-filled ruins, steep mountains, ice-covered grounds. Yeah, right. shit that's difficult. Yeah. Shit that is difficult. Like my ex-wife. We, we, hey we, we.
0: why do boomers do that? Like why, the do ex, why, they, why do they always
1: shit on their ex wives? why do they shit on their wives the like old like ball and chain like, I didn't get, like marry someone be good <laughs> to your significant other <laughs> why, why are you like this <laughs> who hurt you they deserve better <laughs> yeah anyway carry on <laughs> so the crunch of this is you have uh, moving one foot in difficult terrain costs two feet of speed so it's mm-hmm. like halving it's a weird way to say halving your movement speed okay right? does does this affect different mounts differently? Because, like, you'll have. Well, yeah, if you can fly, then you. you Does Yeah, fly. obviously, it doesn't affect for like. I mean, I think stuff, it depends
0: on the difficult terrain. If you're going through a swampy area. I think your horse is gonna be slow. If you're on the side of a mountain, your horse isn't going there. (laughs) The
1: carriage isn't going on the side of a mountain. What about like difficult terrain that affects one kind of thing and not another? An example that I've seen you use before Mm -hmm. is in like a dense forest. Yeah. We might have normal movement speed ourselves, but if we had like a, like a mount like a horse, Yeah. Then they wouldn't be able to travel like their normal speed. Yeah, if there's like craggy things. I mean, again, it's kind of the size
0: of the creature. Mm. Really think it out. I think a lot of this is very intuitive for the most
1: part. It's about kind of like putting yourself in the shoes of the- Yeah, put yourself in
0: the thing. Do you reasonably think that a carriage can make its way through meters of bog? (laughs) What
1: about things that might not be on the forefront of your mind though? Like I imagine like anything that flies, you would think, ah, they're in air, that's blue skies always. Is there difficult terrain for anything that flies and have you ever used anything like that? I don't think
0: I have used it
1: actually, but that is a fantastic idea. That's brilliant, I love that. Yeah, put that in the next thing. Altitude. (laughs) Hurricane You know, hurricanes and stuff. Difficult terrain in the air. Maybe even just being too high up, that would affect something. Yeah, start taking cold damage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least you on it, right? You would be
0: super cold. Uh, That's pretty cool. That is something you could add in. I'm gonna. You fucked yourself
1: now. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) Sometimes that's what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) Integrity above all. (laughs) Yeah, so
0: difficult terrain is pretty straightforward. If it's really difficult, half your speed. I don't think there's anything too strenuous and mathy to figure out.
1: Yeah, so I feel like this kind of alludes to two different kinds of playstyles that you might have as well. Yeah, Where there's the playstyle that is very strict to scale. Yeah. Where it's like, we're dealing with hard distances. And now you have tables that can tell you how fast can you travel within these hard distances. that Yeah, more up. of a bad Grylls kind of game. <laughs> yeah, like straight up. Or I guess you could have a game where it's more about the flavor of what it's like when you're traveling through. Yeah, we definitely do the flavor, don't we? Yeah. We're definitely more about the flavor. Yeah, I think that
0: comes down to Playgoo. As with all these rules, DM's discretion, yeah. DM's read your playgroup, see what they like, see what they don't like. It seems like an interesting thing that you could add in at least. Oh yeah, totally. I love, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ground you. (laughs) (laughs) I have all these new and interesting
1: ways to prevent you from doing anything. (laughs) You're having fun, (laughs) (laughs) wrong. All right, what else you got? All right, so the next thing is special types of movement. Oh, Um, like climbing and swimming. Exactly, which is the first thing. For climbing, swimming, and crawling, in the player's handbook, they say that just like with difficult terrain, uh, each foot of movement costs one extra foot when you're climbing, swimming, and you're crawling, and then an additional foot if it's difficult terrain. Oh damn! So you can be slowed to a third. Yeah, seems like it, right? If you're so climbing like. Climbing over difficult
0: terrain. or... I guess swimming in a, I don't know, giant bath that's had the plug pulled. <laughs>
1: uh, the most relatable. Everyone's been shrunken down to tiny bass size. Wait, JT, you haven't? <laughs> and this like Mad Hatter themed. Oh man, I've got a brilliant idea from encounter now. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is half rolls, half pitching ideas. <laughs> I'm I'm noting it. I'm <laughs> noting it in the old brain box. So I guess adding difficult terrain to climbing, swimming, and crawling can look like I guess if you're climbing like a cliff face and it's like wet, like yeah, yeah that would
0: like, totally. Kind of if you're combining two climbing on a peat bog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah those, those vertical peat bogs. I really can't come up with anything those relatable, are, can I? Today, those are the worst. I hate those. <laughs> oh man, I was walking to
1: work today, just peat bog miles in the air. <laughs> I hate swimming in the Alps, <laughs> the mountainous <laughs> Alps. <laughs> Tell me about it. And it says but, that also you can take a, a strength check, an athletics check, like if there is something. They give the example of the slippery vertical surface where you might make a athletics check to be able to like keep your hold. Ah, well. uh, yeah. I would
0: only really use that if an outside force did something. Mm. I feel like if maybe you'll just take longer to climb that which again that's just a climb speed with difficult terrain if it's wet but like if you're being chased by spiders and one of them like Throws a rock? Christ, what's wrong with that?
1: <laughs> yeah, they hate yeah. those rock throwing spiders. <laughs> they're so, they're just kobolds mean about just kobolds. it. You know? They're just mean about
0: it. Yeah, Kobold throws a rock at you or something. Then it's like, oh, I gotta hold on, strength
1: check. Yeah, you mentioned before that you would make skill checks for like something that requires like a time constraint maybe. Like you have to do the same thing, but now it's like it's hasty or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a reasonable thing to do.
0: Mm. But also, what's cool about those is with climbing and swimming, they can have speeds. So you can have a climb speed and you can have a swim speed. Ah, uh, yeah, and they many monsters that. have them. Many, many monsters. But spells like Spider Climb gives you a climb speed of your normal move, and then you don't have to worry about the map. Yeah, then you you're just moving normally
1: if you've right. got a climb or a swim speed, unless it's difficult terrain. Unless it's difficult terrain, then you gotta break out the tables. <laughs> and then you gotta start crunching some numbers. <laughs> Would you take one third off your climb speed for that? Nine. For the difficult You'd terrain? half, you definitely. I half think it. it just applies the difficult terrain. All um, right, what's next? Jumping. Why? Yeah. So your strength determines how far you can jump. So the first kind of jump that you can do is a long jump. Mm-hmm. If you have at least ten feet of running room before your jump. Yeah then you cover a number of feet up to your strength score. But if you don't, and you have to make, like, a standing long um, jump, then it's half of that distance.
0: Okay, so if you have 10 feet, you can take a running leap, and if you've got a strength score of 18, you can jump 18 feet?
1: Yeah. Oh, Christ. Right, And in okay. standing,
0: you can jump half of that.
1: Yeah, does that... Do you add anything to that? Like, would you add, like, any, like, it athletics? Doesn't say s- does it? It doesn't say in the thing, but... It does say that this rule assumes that the height of your jump doesn't matter. But I guess if there's some extra constraint, like, oh, you also have to dodge through a low ceiling or something, then you have to succeed on, even gives the DC, a DC 10 strength check, athletics check, to clear a low obstacle taller than a quarter of the jump's distance, such as a hedge or a low wall.
0: So if you're taking a long jump over a hedge, then you need a DC 10 athletics check.
1: Okay, that's not often that they give you the DC in the player's handbook.
0: Yeah, that is a bit odd.
1: Yeah, then I can be like, I rolled an 11, yeah, Toby. <laughs> I succeeded. <laughs> it does pop up. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty straightforward. They also have a rule for landing. So if you land, you also have to make a dexterity, and acrobatics check mm-hmm. to successfully land. Otherwise, you land prone. Ah, okay. So I think this rule is very
0: optional. I think mm. this is a combat rule. This is how I would run jumping in combat. Mm. If it's out in the world, if it's just flavorful, I think I would just do uh, acrobatics check even. Mm, I, okay. I think acrobatics checks is more flavorful for this. Definitely athletics. If someone asked me to do an athletics, I'd definitely allow it. I'd let them choose. But if someone's got the background of being from a circus, <laughs> I think it's a bit cruel to not
1: let them use acrobatics. So, okay. So, yeah, you would let them use like their strong...
0: Yeah, I think, I think both, uh, both have a good case to be made.
1: Hmm. So then does that mean that you don't take into account their strength score when they're taking a long jump like how you would normally?
0: So I would do this if it was combat. Out of combat, I think th- there's many ways to cut this. You mm. could even you could have a good reason why it should be dexterity. Hmm. Because if you look at like some... A bodybuilder is not a good long jump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: th- there's a few ways you could think about this, definitely. Hmm. So I-, I think if they've got a good enough acrobatic skill, because that runs off decks...
1: Hmm. I would definitely let them use it for a long jump, or a okay. high jump, or any kind of jump. Speaking of high jumps,
0: what's the rules for a high jump?
1: When you make a high jump, it's the same thing. So if you have 10 feet, well, at least in the sense that if you have 10 feet before the jump, so then... They both
0: need a 10-foot run-up?
1: Yeah, both need a 10-foot run-up to get the full, beefy bonuses. And if you don't have the 10 feet? It's half. Okay. So with this one, though, uh, the stats are different. It's equal to 3 plus your strength modifier. So it's a little ah, bit... okay. Yay. So again, if it's you've a got a
0: 18 strength, that's a plus four. So you could jump seven feet. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? That is still <laughs> a pretty big, beefy jump, though. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a That's an NBA-looking... If you're a gnome... <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're, you're making three dreams times. come true there. You're Air Bud. <laughs> Wow. At that point. Uh, and then if you don't have the run-up, then it's half of that. Okay, so that like makes with sense. the running one. Right. So... The in the player's handbook, they also tell you that yeah. you can extend your arms <laughs> <at> <laughs> like, well, this is half fine. of your height <laughs> above yourself during the jump, thus, you can reach above your distance equal to the height of the jump, plus one and a half times your height. What? <laughs> so you can spread eagle leap. <laughs> I just like that they put that in so that you can really crunch these numbers. <laughs> you know, you can get the exact amount of feats that you know that, you that like after 3.5 or something, <laughs> someone I was to writing know. to them. You know you can I extend your arms. Dear so-called wizards <laughs> of the coast. <laughs> I will not I allow was perusing <laughs> <laughs> With their tiny arms that can't reach above their their head. <laughs> oh, they've... yeah, that's... I feel the pain in that sentence. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to crunch those numbers, here they are. Cool. Um, so that's jumping. That's jumping. What we got next? So then, while you're traveling, you can do a few things to change the behavior of this kind of movement. The first of which is marching order. Okay. And this is something that we haven't really utilized too much in our own campaign.
0: Yeah, it doesn't... I tend to think it just doesn't come up that much. So I, suppose, I think a DM has to encourage the use of this. Yeah. Otherwise, people get that Lord of the Rings silhouette in their head with just like the party. That is what we always think yeah. about. Yeah, front to back. And it's like, I'm first, I'm second, I'm third, I'm fourth.
1: So marching order in the books says that it is... I mean, it's basically your ranks. It's like, what is the order and orientation Which makes more sense. If you're walking
0: down the street or something with a group of friends, like 10 friends... No one walks in single file. Like you kind of <laughs> pair up or like group yeah. up with.
1: Every it, once in a while, you see those groups of like yeah, five to ten people that are all side by side, <laughs> completely blocking <laughs> the path of anybody coming at them. Oh
0: man, it was always girls in
1: like school. <laughs> you, was that
0: a thing in your school?
1: Yeah, I mean like actually. Why? Well, I think I'm guilty of that as well because like no one wants to be yeah. behind <laughs> everyone. Then you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, then you're like you all know. All must suffer, so I do not suffer. Yeah, I don't want to be. <laughs> the skulking guy in the bag. Oh, Christ. (laughs) I'd be the wizard. So they give some ideas of what the benefits of this might be, Okay. a lot of which I haven't really considered before. Cool. Some of which are things like you can determine which characters are being aware of traps. So like the ones in the front might be more aware of looking for traps. So they're the ones who are gonna be using their passive perception to find what's up ahead. Yeah, so that's kind of what it says here. And also it gives, you know, opportunity for the DM to determine who gets hurt by stuff. Yeah, that's That's a good show. Big swinging axe that comes down in the in middle every of the campaign. Forest. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's <laughs> no scaffolding, how did this? <laughs> <laughs> That'll hit your barbarian. So it's a kind of uh, Ewok trap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. like, who gets hit by the Ewok trap? <laughs> and then it gives more rules about the rags. Okay. That. That's not important. Other things about how this might affect your party is in noticing threats which is another section here a threat can be somebody who's like following your party for example so an active threat or a passive threat an active threat or a passive threat so what would be the difference between an active threat or a passive threat
0: an active threat is a goblin that's trying to shank you a (laughs) passive threat
1: is a goblin that's trying to (laughs) spy on you (laughs) okay yeah so then it seems like you can determine then who might notice the sneaky spying goblin. Yeah. And then who gets stabbed by the aggressive the, shanky goblin. The shanky shanky goblin. <laughs> goblin. He's coming from behind, he's in the back
0: row, oh, front row he didn't notice him quick enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, that really just gives you some more flavour on who to blame for when things go wrong. Perfect, and that's what d d means, <laughs> That's more what D&D is all about. <laughs> so if you do encounter creatures, Mm -hmm. then your DM can determine whether or not this immediately turns into like a combat encounter or if there's like a negotiation phase and then like if okay. one of the parties decides to like end this is like the part where If, if- one of them starts shanking. <laughs> yeah, this is the part where you determine who's so doing there's the pre the shank moment
0: where, <laughs> where you can you determine who's doing the talking. Who's up front, who's back. Yeah. You really and assessing the level the, of and then there is the threat of the, the shank the shank moment. Yeah. Where ranks become I suppose... I guess it also um, dictates starting positions.
1: Yeah, then it would determine if you have like, uh, like especially like a battle map or something, this would determine like where people are when they encounter Yeah, sets. Okay, that
0: makes complete sense.
1: And if you are surprised or surprise somebody, the DM also gets to determine whether or not that happens, like whether or not you have like. A okay, surprise. so it comes
0: in surprise, and we'll cover surprise more in the combat episode.
1: Yes, episodes that will be a thing.
0: All right. Is there anything else? Uh,
1: then there are the things that you can do while you're traveling.
0: I see that the uh, PHB gives us four
1: options. These are the four things that you're allowed and to do. Only these. <laughs> yes. You must be restricted to these <laughs> things; otherwise, you're playing. Do I hear whistling? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember seeing that in the PHB. <laughs> what are the stats for that? You have
0: dis advantage on <laughs> everything.
1: So these are kind of interesting, actually. Like, yeah. I also, I have underutilized all of these. The first one's navigating, so... Somebody can oh. appoint themselves the navigator, and the navigator can try to prevent people from being lost. We've used that yeah. a fair few times. Is it tied we to a skill or anything? It says that you can make a survival check. Yeah, we've we've definitely used that. Yeah, fair but another thing that you can do to prevent being lost is draw a map. See, I game. feel like this is something that
0: only works until you hit about level 9, 10. And then, you're in the bog of unmappability.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The spooky fog forest. The fog of, where the fuck am I? (laughs) Your compass spins around aimlessly. (laughs) Your pen starts trembling around the parchment. Um, The other ones that you can do are tracking. This is something that I feel like does come up quite often. Yeah, I've got a bit on tracking as well, because I have the dungeon master's guide what does the dmg say about tracking
0: so you basically make a wisdom survival check and you can make it if you stop tracking and resume tracking after a short or long rest or you find a new trail or it crosses an obstacle such as a river or weather conditions change it and the dc really depends on the surface that you're using to track so soft surfaces like snow is a a dc 10 but bare stone is a dc 20 so every day that it's been since the creature passed it gets even harder by five so Mm. if you're tracking on bare stone from yesterday it's a 25 dc whereas if the creature left a trail like blood or poop
1: just throwing it (laughs) out (laughs) there. Yeah, what are the wild ways that you can use to...
0: (laughs) Then um, it's a minus five. That's pretty much it. Once you, if you succeed in that, then you start
1: tracking and it's really up to the DM. Where does this place, where does it lead? So can this be affected by speed or do you have to travel at a certain speed when you're tracking? I would say you can't
0: travel at a fast speed. There's nothing explicitly written down about speed, but I'd say you can't travel at a
1: fast speed if you're tracking. Yeah, tracking. because you're doing something. Yeah. I, mean, I have seen like Pocahontas though, where they're just like- Yeah, but you're not fucking Pocahontas. Are you? Maybe you I are. want to live in a fantasy world where I
0: am. Well, there's some things you can't have, JT, and being a wonderful native princess is one
1: of those. But the- yeah, and you can also forage. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started up by contest. <laughs> get your berries. <laughs> what does foraging do? do you, what are the benefits? That's a good question. So all of the things that it tells you in the PHP. It runs and, off survival checks, right? It runs off of the survival yeah. check and you're looking for sources of food and water. Is this exclusive to those campaigns where it's important to have a constant supply of food I and water? I think it is. I think, I think the vast majority of the groups don't play with this kind of stuff. This
0: is a Bear grills. Yeah, bear girls, bear girls campaign. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times you'll just have rations, and that's good enough. Mm. Maybe some people will want you to find fresh water, like each day. Mm. Um, But if I mean, your pack comes with ten rations—the pack that you get at the start of the game. Every class starts with a pack; they all come with ten rations. And you'd be insane if you can't just buy rations at your town and buy thirty days rations if you're going. If you know you're going out in the wilderness.
1: Yeah, give me those like army like meal bar kits, <laughs> MREs. Yeah, an MRE and I'm good. Yeah,
0: so I, I mean, I don't think foraging is going to come up much unless you're doing a explicitly survival based campaign, or maybe you're just in a survival area. Maybe you're in the Arctic or the desert. Mm. So that can could you be use
1: something. foraging though for other things? If you're like, you know, if you need like medicine, or if you need like, this would be yeah. the mechanic to use. If for you want to, I mean. if you
0: want to find some natural remedies. I feel like most people would use magical remedies, though, mm. for a lot of their stuff.
1: Okay, so we're in all-barbarian
0: campaign right now, and- <laughs> Yep, foraging's all you got. Foraging in gold.
1: <laughs> Go to the alchemists, buy your shit. <laughs>
0: Alright, I think that's it.
1: That covers everything under movement and time. All time right. and space. 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 space.
0: Space. So, next week I think we're going to be looking at the environment.
1: Yeah lots cool. of lots of cool crazy twists going on with that
0: what's a wham wham was okay anyway <laughs> that's it for today see you guys in the
1: next one sign all this is JT and Toby words sign off <laughs> sound signature sound catchphrase good night all and to all a good night <laughs> perfect
0: <laughs> is that <what> yours
1: is? <laughs> it's
0: an original perfect we'll copyright it now <laughs> Yeah,